As you saw from my children's sermon, I collect rocks. And it really was that hard to come up with 22 rocks, which wasn't even enough for all the kids that were here today, out of my multitudinous, if that's a word, collection. I have bowls and bowls of them at home, and they're all so pretty, and I've picked them up all over the place, rocks rocks that have captivated my attention in some way because of their color or shape or the way that they feel in my hands, rocks that have been toddled up to me in chubby little hands that are not so chubby and little anymore and placed in my lap. These rocks somehow to me feel holy. To hold them broken off some bigger part of the earth and worn down over millennia. The rocks on the beach here at the Salish Sea may have migrated from far off shores. I, I hold them and I think of the endlessness of their journey and it makes me feel so connected and at peace to be around such ancient, natural, and beautiful things. I would love it if these rocks could really talk. And I loved that the that the train cooperated so beautifully earlier. I don't think it would sound like a train, but these rocks, I would love to hear how it feels to be slowly made smooth by millions of waves of salt water. I would love to hear about the experience of being under the foot of a T-Rex when the asteroid hit in the Yucatan, or how it felt to be dislodged by the oar of a Viking ship, or what a thrill it was, was to be picked up by Jesus and skipped along the surface of the River Jordan. Because I think Jesus skipped rocks. Don't you? Can't you just see it? But, alas, the rocks do not speak. And I am left to contemplate their mystery along with mine and be content with their beauty and somehow being able to be a part of their journey. I'm not the first person who has imagined rocks. Jesus spoke to this possibility in our triumphal entry gospel this morning, or as I like to call it, the Fair Weather Friend Sunday. (laughs) For today is the day that we remember the fleeting loyalty of humanity, the ways that we love to cheer on the winning team, and how quickly we reject the losers. It reminds us of our all-encompassing capacity for betrayal. Jesus said if we don't show up to praise and proclaim God, the rocks would cry out. These ancient observers would turn from deaf and dumb to verbose proclaimers of the kingdom of God. Palm Sunday is a cringeworthy day in the church year. Because we know that many of the folk that were shouting, Hosanna, throwing down their cloaks, like, yay, this is awesome. Within just a few days, we're also saying, crucify him, bring out Barabbas. We're reminded in their quick praise and even quicker betrayal, the infidelity in our own hearts. Jesus does not need us to do what Jesus is going to do. Jesus didn't need the folk that were waving the palms that first Palm Sunday to do what he was going to do. And the talk of the rocks reminds us that even they can be raised up in our stead. The fact that all these adoring fans turned so quickly and that he still walked to the cross with only just a bare few, bare minimum of his faithful followers is evidence of this. 
Martin Luther taught that we do not need to pray that God's kingdom will come because God's kingdom will come whether we pray for it or not. Instead, we pray that God's kingdom will come to us. Jesus does not need us for his ride-or-die crew, but we need him. Ironically, the thing that kept most away from Jesus, I think, as he walked to the cross was self-preservation, right? Folk thought, and they were probably right, that they would be safer if they steered clear of the person that everyone was going after. The one who was walking to his execution. Since that time, self-preservation has destroyed many holy adventures. It's destroyed many joyous dreams from the Spirit. And it is what still keeps us, many of us, from embracing the way of Jesus. Unless a seed falls into the ground and dies, it remains only a seed. Well, that's okay. We don't mind being seeds. That's fine. Seeds is great. Being a seed is fine, right? We prefer not to die. Thank you very much. Pick up your cross and follow me. That's okay. We're good. You just go ahead this time. Our cross looks great in the back of our storage unit, so. But safety is an illusion. Ask anyone who's ever been diagnosed with cancer or Parkinson's or ALS. Ask anyone who's ever lost anyone they didn't think they could live without. Ask anyone who's breathing air, who's mortal. Life is not safe. We may be able to live in seclusion with our heads in the sand for a time, but eventually something will happen to rock our worlds. So when we attempt to stay safe by steering clear of the way of Jesus, we actually do ourselves an incredible disservice because the kingdom will come. Jesus does not need us in his ride-or-die crew, but my siblings in Christ, we need Jesus. Whether we want to admit it, that need or not, We're desperate for the kingdom to come among us. We need that peace. We need that hope. We need something to live for beyond our selfish selves. And in this dangerous and unpredictable world, we need the way of the cross. Isaiah, in our Old Testament text, spoke to the victory of God. He spoke with trust and confidence for everything that, that, that is up against God will fail. That God's way will prevail no matter what. Meantime, Paul entreats to keep the same mind as Christ Jesus, who showed solidarity with us so that we would share in his life. And the juxtaposition between the faithless, finicky voices shouting Hosanna one minute and crucifying him the next. And these invitations to fullness of life is almost sickening. As we approach Holy Week, as we face down the cross, until, until we remember the grace of God, 
We can get frustrated with these folk for wanting to win until we remember our cross in the back of our storage unit, collecting dust, ready for us to pick up and follow Jesus to the holy adventure that awaits. We can be judgmental until we remember that we are seeds that have refused to be put in the ground because we are terrified of dying to what we know to embrace an uncertain and unseen future in Christ. There's a hilarious viral video of a little girl that doesn't want to touch the grass. Has anyone seen this little baby video? She's really cute. She's not as cute as baby Mallory or baby Ellie, but she's really cute. BLC has the cutest babies. But she's, her dad's trying to put her down on the grass. And she's just this little chubby thing. And her legs are just going, whoa, way up. Whenever he tries to put her, he, she just contorts her body so that she doesn't touch the ground. This is how I imagine we are when we start thinking about being seeds and being put into the ground by Jesus. No, 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 thank you. Amazing the contortions that we can do. To avoid that. But the good news is that the shelf life of seeds is very long. The oldest seed to ever germinate after, um, after being just held in a clay pot was 32,000 years old. 32,000 years of being in a clay pot found in an archaeological dig and then put in the ground and grew to be a narrow-leaf campion from Siberia. 32,000 years. And I'm pretty sure none of you are 32,000 years old. Most of you aren't even 32,000 days old, which I did the math, and that's 87.5 years old. Some of you are, but some of you are not. And it doesn't matter how long you've been putting off following Jesus and embracing the way of the cross. Because the potential in you for growth and service to others does not go away. Do you hear me? It's not too late. Your chance has not passed you by. The holy adventure awaits. It is not nullified by the amount of times you have been a fair-weather friend to God or neighbor or enemy. It is not contingent on your faithfulness or your strength, but on God's great love and grace. Jesus does not need us to cry out and praise to him. If we didn't, the rocks would. The bowls in my living room would sing and shout along with the earth's very core. Jesus does not need us to ride along for him to achieve victory. The kingdom does not rely on us to pray it into existence. But y'all, to proclaim God's goodness in Jesus Christ with our lives, with this church, with our actions, and with our voices, brings an incredible infusion of hope and joy to this life that we have been gifted. If we were to choose to stand alongside Jesus in his love and life, we would see miracles. We would be filled to overflowing with the goodness of God. And if we would allow our lives to be invested and planted into that goodness, not doing our contortions to avoid it, we would come up out of the ground and recognize that we inhabit 
the kingdom of God. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. Hosanna. Amen. Let's stand and sing, O Sacred Head Now Wounded. It's hymn 